0: You're listening to the PK Experience Podcast, where I tap into the minds of today's impact players so that you, too, can learn from them, grow from them, and create a greater impact yourself. My name is Peter King. I'm the host of the show, and I have a very special guest today on the show. His name is Guy Kawasaki. Guy is a venture capitalist, a world-renowned speaker, and best-selling author. He's most well-known for being a brand evangelist, though. In fact, he actually popularized the term evangelist, which comes from the Greek root, uh, which means bringing the good news. And He brought the good news for Apple back in the day in the early 80s when uh, Steve Jobs first started the company. He's the author of many, many books, uh, some of which have made the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestsellers list. He's also a speaker at uh, many top companies. Uh, He does about 50 keynote speeches per year for clients, including Apple, Nike, Audi, Google, Microsoft, et cetera, et cetera. He loves to talk about innovation, social media evangelism, and entrepreneurship. And as I mentioned, I'm very honored and uh, excited to share this talk with you today. Again, here I am with Guy Kawasaki. All right. I am here with Guy Kawasaki. Guy, thank you so much for taking the time today. I know you're busy. I appreciate it. Glad to do it. I am uh, beyond excited to talk to you. You're you have a wealth of knowledge, despite what you just told me, um, and uh, you've certainly um, made your mark. I know you're a big guy on making a dent in the world, as Steve Jobs once said. Um, and uh, so, uh, again, I appreciate it. But you know, every I've asked a few people. I said, Hey, you know, what should I ask? Guy Kawasaki, and they said, oh, well, I loved his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Be sure to thank him for that book. I said, oh, you know, what can I do? So I, this is not Robert Kiyosaki. Obviously, there's a difference. Um, do you get that a lot? It's a lame first question, but is that
1: you – Yeah, know, once a week or so. so okay. Yeah, I tell – I tell people I'm poor dad, not rich dad. <laughs> right.
0: The, the guy did not follow. I, I, again, I would argue with you on that one. But I wanted to uh, just take a little bit to understand a little bit about your background. I was watching some different videos on you and, and doing a little bit of research, but I didn't get into sort of what your influencers were growing up. I know you grew yeah. up in Hawaii, uh, and you had a, a you know some influences there, but. Walk us through a little bit of of how did Guy Kawasaki come to be?
1: (laughs) Sure. Actually, I just wrote a book about how Guy Kawasaki came to be called Wise Guy.
0: Yes.
1: I'm from Honolulu, Hawaii, lower middle class uh, neighborhood and family, um, third generation Japanese American, and luckily a sixth grade teacher told my parents it's me out of the public school system, put me in the private school system because I had you know, more potential than could have been realized in the public school system. Wow. So I went to a great private school called Iolani from Iolani, went to Stanford. Stanford, I I went into uh, law school for a mere two weeks and quit. And then I went into, believe it or not, uh, I returned to Hawaii, worked for lieutenant governor for a while, went back for UCLA MBA program. And while I was there, I went into the jewelry visit- as a part-time job counting diamonds. I stayed in that business after graduation and then my friend from Apple, my college roommate, plucked me uh, and put me in the Macintosh division and the rest is history.
0: Uh, Yes. So uh, was that a, um, was that just kind of a, hey, you should talk to this guy. I think he's up to some cool stuff or was there a strategic, you'd be a perfect fit for what they're trying to do over at Apple? Uh,
1: I would say, (laughs) <laughs> it was more. Uh, I have a guy without the right academic background and the right work experience, but he's a great guy. Uh, I think we should hire him. And and you know, Steve Jobs, after interviewing me, he said, "Well, you can hire him, but it's your career if I have to fire him."
0: <laughs> yeah, he didn't mince words, did he? No,
1: no, that's that's one thing you can say about Steve Jobs. Yeah,
0: um, he loved people, <laughs> right? Right, he
1: <laughs> mince words.
0: I, yes, he mince people. <laughs> um, I, I, that's actually one of the questions I wanted to ask you. You've you've touched on this certainly in your topics, uh, in your talks before. But it like to look at the debt that that guy has made in the universe, yeah. right? Uh, and I've also heard from many people, uh, whether it's hearsay or, or third person, whatever, that he's clearly a very difficult person to have worked with. and yeah. worked for do you have to be an asshole to make that big of a dent in the universe? Um,
1: I don't think it's necessarily causative, right? So I I don't think people listening to this should say, all right, so to dent the universe, I have to be an asshole. Um, probably what you're going to end up is just being an asshole who doesn't dent the universe. (laughs) So, you know, Jane Goodall dented the universe. She's not an asshole. I mean, you don't have to be an asshole. Uh, there seems to be high correlation that people who dent the universe are assholes, but I'm not sure that's causative. Um, yeah. I, and, it, yeah and, it. And I'll also tell you that uh, I would not trade that time working for Steve and Apple for anything. So, yeah. you know, it, it may have been a challenging, difficult time, but it was formative and it taught me a lot and I'm here where I am because of it. I liken it to, um, when you look back on your education, probably the best teachers are the ones that were the hardest, not the Mm -hmm. easiest. And Mm -hmm. that's true of Steve Jobs.
0: Did did you feel that he had a deeper care for, um, I mean, he had such a grandiose vision. And I think that would be difficult to be surrounded by people who are constantly saying, "Eh, I don't know, Steve, you might want to pull the reins back a little bit. I, I can see that that would be frustrating. But did you feel at least at a foundational level that he cared about the people or did he really mince them and and just as long as the outcome ah
1: uh, that's an used. interesting question you know i don't i don't think he was a pathological kind of person yeah i think he was um, it was neither here nor there he wasn't warm and fuzzy nor was he evil he just had mm-hmm. singular focus on making macintosh successful or making apple successful and people were, and this is gonna sound more negative than it should be, people were a means to an end. Right. And so if you were great and you got Steve and Apple closer to the goal, then you were, you know, good. And if you didn't and you weren't, then you know, also that's just the way it was it was decided upon. So uh is he warm and fuzzy mentoring people, you know, all that kind of stuff? No. Yeah. But on the other hand, uh, look at what he accomplished. Sure. So, you know, I think in American business, there's been Walt Disney and Steve Jobs and Elon Musk. Yeah. And uh, I don't think any of those people were warm and fuzzy.
0: Right, right. I know, despite uh, what the 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 culture that Disney seems to have, I heard Walt was not exactly the easiest person to work <laughs> with um, What would you say is something that people don't know about Steve that you wish they would?
1: Oh, I... I... I think uh, one thing is that he did not care about your race, color, creed, gender, sexual orientation, anything like that. Mm. It it was black or white with him. You were either good or you were shit. There's nothing Mm. else in between. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter if you were, you know, white Yale graduate whose uh, great-grandparents came over the Mayflower or your parents came over, you know – Uh, 10 years ago in the last helicopter out of the U.S. Embassy in South Vietnam. Right. I mean, either you were great or you were shit. That's it. That's all he cared about. Right, right. I think that's the way to go. I mean, many of his direct reports were women way before, you know, having women at an executive level was uh, desirable. It was always desirable, but, you know, desirable on paper and a good sort of uh, optics.
0: Right. Well, I mean, I I guess it's how you create something for the masses when you have all of these different perspectives and all of these different, you know, worldviews and and energies.
1: Don't go, don't get too warm fuzzy on me. So um, it's not that Apple created these great products and and services for people because we were such a diverse group. Uh, Basically, we executed on what Steve wanted.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> it's, it's nothing to do <laughs> with what we wanted. Okay. And Steve was just happened to be right more than he was wrong, much more than he was wrong. So, uh,
0: did people ever change his mind? What could he yes. be influenced? Okay.
1: Yes. Yes. He could be influenced, but yeah. you know, I mean, it's a lot like wingsuiting. I mean, you're either going to have a great ride or you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, you know, Don't go in there on a whim saying, "Ah, I think I'll go change Steve's mind. What could go wrong? I mean, (laughs) you really have to have some conviction.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, As far as um, your time there, what exactly was your – you were the evangelist, but tell people what that actually meant and what did you do? So I worked
1: for Apple twice. The first time I was software evangelist, and that meant I – convince software and hardware companies to create products that were compatible with Macintosh. The second time I I went was when Apple was supposed to die. So at that point I was chief evangelist and my job was to maintain the Macintosh cult, you know, the Macintosh inner circle to not lose faith in the religion.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, One of the questions I had about um, what Apple has done and what you have since done Mm -hmm. too is like, how do you create products that people don't even know that they want i mean every time i got a new Uh, apple product it was like how did how did they know that i needed that how did i know that they needed that like i it's integral into my life within the first week like how do you know that well that's
1: that's one of the great uh gifts of steve jobs so you can look at him in either of two ways one is that he knew what you needed even though you didn't know right that's one okay. way. Uh, the other way of looking at it is he built whatever the hell he wanted, and he convinced you you wanted it too. Okay. And, and there's truth in both of those ways. Right. But, I mean, that's why he, Walt Disney, and Elon Musk are in a different category than everybody else. Um, you know, lots of people throw the visionary word around, and they're visionaries i mean you know so you you make uh, tinder for old people and you call yourself a visionary in social media i don't (laughs) think so i mean you know as dan quayle would be uh dan quayle example you are no john kennedy right
0: (laughs) right we've already done that yeah (laughs) that's funny so um you said that you're third generation japanese american yes um your father fought for the u.s
1: correct uh he was in the army corps of engineers so he didn't he didn't uh fight
0: okay he built how how does that work during world war ii
1: well during world war ii if you're japanese american from hawaii um and the 42nd battalion uh, you know personifies this that they wanted to prove that they were americans and they loved america and so they kind of bent over backwards to show that you know they were americans they weren't japanese living in a foreign land interesting and uh you know, I think I think that the 442nd Battalion was the most decorated battalion in all of the Army in World War hmm. II. There's some something like that.
0: Wow. <clears throat> was was he over there during uh, for Pearl Harbor?
1: Oh man, I don't know exactly where he was on December 7th. He yeah. could have been. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. How big an influence did he have in your life? Was he around much, or was he gone? Oh or- no,
1: he was around a lot. He was huge influence, and I'll tell you a great story uh, about. so this is many years later i was living in san francisco on union street in the presidio so it's right near union street dead ends into the presidio and it's a very exclusive part of san francisco so one day i'm outside and i'm cutting the hedges and this older white woman comes up to me and says do you do law too? and So I said to her, well, you you know, I'm Japanese American, so you think I'm the yard man, right? She goes, no, no, no. It's just that you're doing such a great job that I was wondering if you do lawns. And so, you know, two weeks later, my father visits me, and I fully expect him to just go off on her, right? Like, Mm -hmm. how dare she ask you, Stanford graduate, work for Apple. At that point, I probably wrote five books. And to my amazement, he says, you know, son, in Cow Hollow, which is the area, in Cow Hollow, Japanese guy, cutting hedges, most likely you were the yard man. <laughs> so get over it. Mm. Don't take it personally. Don't look for problems where they don't exist. Give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, accept these things. Take it with humor. You know, don't make yourself crazy. And that was a pivotal moment in my life. I mean, you know, I said, all right. So you, basically, he's telling me, man up. Don't look for problems that don't exist. And ah. you know, don't have a chip on your shoulder. Yeah, and that was well, a formative experience in my life.
0: Wow, that yeah, that can uh, <laughs> that would put you on a completely different trajectory, I would think.
1: Yes, <clears throat> yes.
0: Interesting. So you brought up the term "man up." I'm I'm curious because a lot of what I see in our culture right now is just this masculine-feminine thing. What? How would you define what it is to be a man?
1: Oh God. I mean, <laughs> This is, this is treacherous terror we're going into here. Um, I, I, think, I think several things. So one is a uh, high sense of ethics, that there is a clear, bright, dark, deep, obvious line between right and wrong, and it's not situational. Mm. There are things that are right, and there are things that are wrong. And that's number one. Number two is that um, you, you are a good parent and father and husband, that um, this, the center of your focus is your family,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not your job, not the company, not your political party, you know, none of that stuff. And, and that you, you know, do the right thing all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, that would be hard enough to do right there.
0: <laughs> I, the, the, yeah. I mean, those are foundational. Um, when you're, for somebody who's done big things, who have had a big vision, who have implemented and made an impact already, mm-hmm. how do you balance that, um, your vision, not just your work or, or you know, mm-hmm. but the vision to make a better world versus being there as a father and being there as a husband and for your well, family.
1: first of all, you're assuming that I did balance or I do balance it. Well, that, that could be debated. Um, I, I don't, I mean, you just make time. Yeah. I don't, I don't have any magic, you know, be a vegetarian, wear Birkenstocks and, you know, do yoga. I don't, I don't have a magic formula. I mean, yeah. I just work my ass off. That's what yeah. I
0: do. So. And let, let the chips fall where they may.
1: Well, I don't let Pretty the chips fall where they may. That, that's a little too, like, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm not a whatever person. I'm, I believe that, you know, you, you can accomplish whatever you want if you work hard. I mean, Plant
0: the flag, seize the hill.
1: Yeah. Take not, it. Got it. I mean, I, I, no matter how hard I try, I will never be a professional surf. But, I mean, well, that doesn't uh, mean I can't learn to surf.
0: You, you, you are a Hawaiian guy that plays ice hockey, so I wouldn't, yeah. you know – uh, how well, did how do you get into ice hockey and not surfing growing up? Well, and, well, yeah. first
1: of all, my kids took up my kids wanted to take up hockey, so I took up hockey. <laughs> and my, my my mother, my wife said, "I want you to be a silly." Oh, I said this all wrong. So my kids said they wanted to take up hockey. So my wife said, "I don't want you just on the sideline on your BlackBerry. I want you participating in their lives." Wow. So you take up hockey too. So I took up hockey and I loved hockey. That's and smart. I, and I did that for about fourteen years, and then my daughter took up surfing, so I took up surfing, and now I've given up hockey for surfing. I oh, just cool. love surfing. Yeah.
0: Oh man, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how do you how do you live that close to those waves and not get out there and? Well,
1: yeah, all? I I go surfing three four times a week. Okay. I love to go surfing.
0: Oh, that's great. What do you love about it?
1: I just love that it. it's it's the hardest thing I've ever tried to learn. I thought hockey was hard, but really? yeah, I think surfing is harder. Because huh. with hockey, uh, well, you, you know, after the Zamboni cuts the ice, the ice is the ice. I mean, you know, whereas every wave is different, and there, I think there are more variables in surfing because every mm-hmm. wave is different, the tide is different, the wind is different. The people on the break with you are different. And so there's more of a, Hockey is a very complex sport, but I would say surfing is a more complex sport than hockey.
0: Well, Some people relate surfing to women and just the, the romanticism of that <laughs> and how for all the reasons that you just said, it, it's unpredictable. You don't know how big the wave is going to be. Am I going to surf this? Am I going to get smashed by it? Like, yeah. So that, that might be part of the allure, I think. Uh, Maybe. For a lot
1: of guys. I never thought of it that way.
0: <laughs> ah, the ocean to me is very feminine energy. It's yeah. you better respect it or it's going gonna, it's gonna to pound you, you know. It's going to
1: kill you, yes.
0: <laughs> um, so I, I'm curious to know what your sort of vision is for the next 10, 15, 20 years with being in the tech space, being yeah. a, around a lot of these innovators. Where do you see things going for us right ah, now? In, the
1: world? in In a rare moment of humility, let me tell you, I have no idea um okay. i i don't think it, if anybody tells you they know they line, nobody can predict 10 years out 10 months maybe yeah. but not 10 years um you know we all thought that myspace would be the operating system of the internet right that right. myspace would dominate everything and amazon would be a little corner store and apple would be a little corner store and microsoft mm-hmm. would have this little corner store <laughs> and now myspace is gone and it's facebook and you know Five years from now, we may say, oh, remember Facebook? They were just like MySpace. Or they could be dominating. I mean, who knows? Nobody knows. Yeah.
0: Uh, Where do you fall on the artificial intelligence debate? Do you think it's going to be something that will dramatically impact us for good? Or is it going to be?
1: Yes. I I think net good. Um, I'm a Mercedes-Benz brand ambassador. So, you know, I particularly appreciate artificial intelligence in terms of cars. So, in a future where cars are electric, artificial intelligence, you know, much better digital mapping, uh, machine learning, all this kind of stuff where you don't necessarily own a car, you call a car, it comes get you, you, you know, you get in the car, you get off, you walk out of it, boom, you're done, there's nobody driving it, cars use 24 by 7, uh, I don't have to have a garage at my house anymore, my company doesn't. have a parking lot. Mm. I mean, that's a game changer. Think about the consequences of we use renewable energy to generate electricity that runs our cars. So now we don't care about oil. Uh, This means that climate change, you know, hopefully gets under control Um, even though some people think that climate change doesn't exist. (laughs) And I mean,
0: well just we, geopolitically uh, how that yeah. uh, impacts you know the US and and you know Saudi yeah. Arabia and, oh, Yeah
1: like maybe we won't have to, we, we won't have to invade some countries and we won't have to suck up to other countries Right Uh that's a you know what in, in that world I could make the case that uh, ultimately water will be more valuable than oil Uh-huh right 100% yeah Right
0: I think so, uh, who was it that talked about that? Um, I know Peter Diamandis is really big on yeah. the abundant future that that AI is going to bring and technology yeah. and whatnot. So, and it's you, a little,
1: so okay. imagine imagine a world where water uh, is the most valuable commodity, right? And so. United States and Canada will, fi- will form the the WPEC or something. The you know instead of OPEC, it will be the water WaterPEC, right? <laughs> and so we'll have this meeting. You know, like President of the United States, President of Canada, and then we get together. and say, Well, should water be a hundred dollars a barrel or a hundred fifty dollars a barrel? Should we restrict water this year or not? And then, then you know to. to This is, I'm really making up stuff on the fly here. So now, you know, let's say there's political unrest in America, right? And so the world's water supply is threatened. So using American logic, countries that need water would say, oh, the political situation in America is unstable. We need to invade America to establish stability, to ensure the supply of water. Uh Because have we not done that for oil? did we not say countries are unstable we need to invade them or we need sure. to you know whatever change their political structure to maintain uh oil supply so why wouldn't people do that to the united states if they thought that the united states was unstable and their primary source of water yeah i mean man think of ramifications of that right so you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it, it's hard to say. I mean, yeah, talk about not <laughs> knowing what the future is going to bring. Who knows? That might very well be the you know maybe maybe we all got to we got to get to Mars somehow, and Elon's yeah. going to take us there for that. But uh, <laughs> Elon Musk. Well, he's. I mean, he's he's down on technology. Like, I mean, he's a doomsdayer. It's scary to hear him talk about artificial intelligence. I mean, he thinks we're, <laughs> we're
1: well. I, you know, I I don't know how. <clears throat> I don't know him personally. Uh, I don't know how you can be bullish on Tesla electric cars and not be bullish on AI because for electric cars to succeed you need machine learning and AI and a lot of digital stuff right sure. it's it's uh
0: I think I think he uh, w- would say something that you know that the 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 AI in a vehicle is more narrow AI versus mm-hmm. The, the singularity and the artificial intelligence where it's creating more artificial intelligence and it has a yeah, mind of its yeah. own and it's decisive and who the hell knows where it goes from there. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's crazy. Some of the stuff that Boston dynamics is putting out right now is, I mean, it looks like right out of Hollywood, you know, well, those- but
1: the Boston dynamics stuff is creepy because it looks like this creepy that's opening doors and jumping over buildings. Exactly. So it's RoboCop, right?
0: It is RoboCop. That's what freaks me out. <laughs>
1: yeah, but I mean, um,
0: you don't think one of those things is going to come to your door one day and say, "Here's your Amazon package," and the next thing you know, it's like you know, chained you up against the wall or something? <laughs> nope. Nope. Um, <laughs> uh, I I, mean, I don't know. I'm I'm not a I'm not a naysayer or a doomsayer either. But you just don't know. I mean, that's a yeah. That's a, yeah a, you, a, don't you don't know. You don't. Um. What what are some of um, the big opportunities that you see right now with the different companies that you're involved with? Um, What are some of the cool stuff that you guys are working on that you're excited about?
1: Well, I'm chief evangelist for a company called Canva out of Sydney, Australia. And we're in the online graphics design service business. So, uh, you know, we, we sign up more than a hundred thousand new customers a day and we make about 3 million graphics a day.
0: Wait, 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 uh, you cut out for a second. Did you say 100,000 per day?
1: Yeah, we ha- we have new signups of about 100,000 per day. And our wow. customers currently create about 3 million designs a day. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, that's pretty exciting. So I started my career democratizing computing with Macintosh. And I'm ending my career democratizing design because basically by using Canva, Almost anybody can create beautiful and useful designs.
0: I have a b- background in design, so I yeah. do Photoshop and stuff like that. Yeah. But but I jump into Canva all the time and knock stuff out yeah. in a fraction of the time that it would take me to do in, in Photoshop, creating stuff from scratch.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if your, if your parents said, hey, son, you know, I, I need to make a, a flyer for my meeting or, you know, something like that. Are you going to tell me, oh, yeah, yeah, dad. Yeah, mom, go uh, buy Photoshop and knock yourself out. I don't yeah. think so. No, so I mean, you may be a good son, but you're not that good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, exactly. I've I've been down that road before. I tried to teach my grandma <laughs> one time. This is several years ago, and I tried to teach her how to use the internet. I, all that's all I was trying to get her to do is so that yeah. she could send and receive emails. She was so mind blown by the mouse that <laughs> moving her hand around could move the little. <laughs> and she just sat there and laughed and i was like I-, I don't think we're gonna get much beyond this so
1: yeah but you know the thing is that i don't know 30 40 years from now your grandson is going to say my grandfather oh, was so amazed that all i had to do was think about something and it appeared hol- as a hologram he just yeah. can't even wrap his mind around that and he's doing this mechanical thing called a A louse or a spouse or a mouse or something like that.
0: Yo, 100%. I tell my kids all the time that they will tell their kids, or their kids are going to say, You drove a car? That's so
1: dangerous. That's so dirty. Your car had a garage?
0: Yeah. (laughs) You owned it? It didn't just show up whenever you wanted it? And there was gas?
1: (laughs) What's gas?
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, that'll be a good day. Um, so for the entrepreneurs in my audience, I'd love to get, uh, pick your brain a little bit on yep. what, what, obviously as a VC, as somebody that's helping grow these other ideas, what is something that entrepreneurs, let, let me take a step back. What's the biggest <laughs> mistake that entrepreneurs make? Where where are we just running into brick walls and not really realizing?
1: Well, I, I think um, most entrepreneurs, There's several. I can't narrow it down to one, okay? So, Number one, I think entrepreneurs put way too much attention into the pitch and the plan and you know Excel, PowerPoint, or Canva, because Canva creates designs, and Word, and they lose sight of the fact that the purpose of a company is to create customers, not pitches to raise money, <clears throat> and so that's number one. Number two is uh, the flip side of that is they don't spend nearly enough time finishing the prototype I mean the prototype is the most important thing because with a great prototype you don't need to pitch because you'll have traction or you'll be able to demo what you're going to do as opposed to you know blow smoke with uh, a presentation and the third thing is that they vastly underestimate how hard it is to make a sale So how hard it is to complete a product and make a sale so I think you know it's a good rule of thumb whenever an entrepreneur tells you it'll be ready in X you just multiply that by twelve. So if they're a month, it's a year. And and then w- whatever they say in terms of their revenue, you divide by a hundred. So so multiply by twelve, divide by a hundred, and that's what's going to happen.
0: Your your formulas are legendary. I one of my favorite one of my favorite ones is is if you're doing a PowerPoint, take the yeah. average age of your audience and divide yeah. by two, and that's the point size of your font. Yeah, <laughs> which is so true. At the oh, it's. I love your stuff well, on on powerpoints because well right, Steve, Steve you know. Jobs,
1: you know Steve Jobs, <laughs> he had text that's two hundred points. Right, the small font in a Steve Jobs slide was ninety points. Mm. Now we're not Steve Jobs, but I think the the point, no pun intended, is that the bigger the font, the better the slide, and the better the speaker.
0: Well, it forces you to be precise and and to not right. lean on it, right? So, what right. a well, concept, agree. huh? Yeah, yeah, what a concept.
1: I'll um, give you one more formula since you love formulas. Yes. So um, lots of people have trouble figuring out the pre-money valuation of a company when they seek funding. So I'll give you how you do that. So um, with every engineer, every engineer on your staff is worth half a million dollars in company valuation. Every MBA, you subtract 250000
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you as somebody who actually has an MBA, that's- uh, I do that's too. Right? No, I'm not talking about you. Yeah, I mean oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's a yeah. that's a pretty shocking statement. So well,
1: what can I say?
0: Is it that? I mean, it's actually good advice, though. So for there's a lot of young people out there. <laughs> how many people get seduced into? Oh, once I get that B and it's like I, I'm I'm in alignment with you. I think education can can derail somebody if they're not getting a specific. Yeah. You know, well, not-
1: I but but let's be specific, right? So we're talking about tech startups. So for a tech startup. An MBA is neither necessary nor sufficient. Now, if you want to work for Goldman Sachs, if you want to work for McKinsey, Accenture, God bless you. You may need an MBA, all right? If you want to create the next Google, Apple, Cisco, Yahoo, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, you don't need an MBA. Right. You don't need an MBA.
0: It, it almost seems like it, it uh, hinders you. I mean, it kind of puts you in a box.
1: Well, it puts you in a box, um, especially if you're, if you're the founder, well, you can have any background you want. But you know, if, you're one of the, if you're trying to interview for a company that has started, typically it has started because of engineers, mm-hmm. I can't honestly tell you that an engineering-focused startup is going to say, oh, that guy has a Harvard MBA. We should hire him. Right. I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that conversation. Um because I think at some level they're gonna say, Well, you know, we just gotta build it and sell it. Why do we need an MBA? Yeah. And another thing they're gonna say is, Well, who has who has two years of their life to spare getting an advanced degree? You know, none of us on the founding team even Finish college and this guy finished college or this gal finished college and then spent two more years like what's wrong with that person
0: (laughs) yeah um one of the other really awesome pieces of advice that i love that you give for entrepreneurs is don't worry be crappy yeah i i I think that's one of the most integral pieces of advice for entrepreneurs is to ship get it out the door
1: what a concept
0: What a concept. So did you learn that one the hard way or just seeing the pattern of all these entrepreneurs coming to you?
1: Well, I I I saw it at Apple, right? So, you know, when we ship Mac 128K, I can't tell you with hindsight, that was a perfect product, Mm. Um, but it was time to ship. And when you ship, you learn so much, much more than cogitating internally. Uh, you, You learn where the flaws are much faster and, uh, you know, you really will see if the dogs will eat the food, which is, after all, the most important thing. And not only will you see if the dogs will eat the food, you'll see which kind of dog eats the food. Because, you know, you may be thinking you're making something for chihuahuas and only pit bulls like it. Well, mm-hmm. okay, so you, you need to change the packaging. Stop showing chihuahuas if pit bulls like it. Right. So it's a very different world. Uh, and I, I think many people lose sight of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's you know, only that I th-
1: Reed, Reed Hastings of LinkedIn fame has a saying that if you don't cringe when you look at your first version of your product, you didn't ship it fast enough. Mm. You should mm. cringe.
0: Cringe. That's good. That's a good metric. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for the cringe. Um, have you, uh, you talked about ending your career with Canva. Is yes. that not another step or is this, you're going to ride that one into the sunset?
1: This is it. This is it. I am going to. Uh, I in this. I am going to disappear into the sunset. I I don't need the attention. I don't need the visibility. Whatever. Right. When when I. Uh, this is it. I just want to surf and be with my kids.
0: Uh, I love that. That's cool. <laughs> um,
1: uh,
0: well, this maybe. Uh, um, makes this next question moot, but have you ever uh, thought about being a guest on Shark Tank? Uh, have they asked you?
1: Listen, in my humble opinion, you mean as a person pitching a company or no, as a shark? No, no, as
0: a shark, you'd be a, you'd be an awesome oh, person.
1: I, 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 I've told Mark Cuban and Damon, you know, several times, let me go on that show because. Um, you know, what, what's bizarre about that show is they don't have anybody from Silicon Valley. So how can you say you're about startups and all that if you don't have any Silicon Valley people? Yeah. So, you know, Mark Cuban is obviously tech and obviously successful, but he's not Silicon Valley. Right. And um, so, yeah, I wish they would ask me. I would do it in a second.
0: I think we need to make that happen. You'd be an awesome but, shark.
1: Well, you ask them. But, you know, I have to say that it's not clear to me, and and they would know better because maybe that's – enjoy this but you know the part where one guy says yeah well I'll give you half a million for 10% and then I want a 2% royalty and the other person well I'll give you 1 million but I want 50% and no royalty and you know they got all these deals going on and the entrepreneur is thinking well should I take Damon's money or should I take Mark's money or whatever I think that part is totally artificial that Mm. that, you know that's not how the real world works and so really It's not like I got a way, well, should I X and give up X or should I take Y and get a royalty and less X and you know, all that. I think it should be, they come to a conclusion, this is viable or not. And it's not about, well, I got a better deal from Mark than Damon. I mean, it should be, you know, every show has winners and losers Mm -hmm. and, um, the electric Skateboard Company was a winner, but, uh, you know, the guy who teaches you how to lose weight by doing yoga is a loser. You know, we don't fund the yoga school, but we fund the electric skateboard. and It should kind of be that simple in my mind. But anyway, mm-hmm. I mean, what do I know? It's a successful show. Well,
0: I, it is a successful show. Mark Burnett has obviously uh, figured a few things out in that space. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think you'd be a hell of a sh- – uh, in addition to that, cause, yeah, uh, your your advice is often very refreshing. And thank you. Very, what advice do you have? I've got two kids. One's thirteen. One's eleven. And yeah. um, my son is very much into technology and, of course, video yeah. games and all that kind of stuff. We Fortnite? were just at, what's that?
1: Fortnite.
0: Of course. Yep. Yeah. That's part of it. Yeah. We're, I'm trying to, too. you know, taper it out and not let him get too uh, seduced and all that. But I also yeah. love technology too, and I know there's a lot of opportunity there but we were just looking at uh, some some online university or some universe we, we were looking online at some universities that were tech oriented and whatnot but what advice do you have for the upcoming generation in in a world where we don't like you said we don't even know where we're going to be in tw- 10 months yeah. what advice do you have for young people
1: i mean you know i first of all Job that he's going to work in probably hasn't been invented yet, right? right? So, I think at the end of the day, everybody needs how to write, <laughs> and everybody needs how to need. Everybody needs to know how to communicate. Mm-hmm. So that includes writing, you know, speaking, understanding, to perform analysis, to be especially with social media you know don't believe anything you read get second sources check it out Uh, I would think you would take a programming class not necessarily because you become a programmer but you need to at least be able to tell when programmers are lying to you which is you know kind of constantly so those kind of basic things uh, you know I must admit that there's there's so much emphasis on um, like i see it now you know so much emphasis on math and calculus and all that and i understand the emphasis on math and calculus and that kind of stuff in the sense that it teaches you a way of problem solving but i also don't understand that i, I how often do you use calculus <laughs> i mean
0: <laughs> i was asking that myself all through calculus
1: <laughs> yeah i mean basically you know All you need to know is uh, how to balance your checkbook, and you know when when you go to Safeway, you look at the tag and you say, "All right, so you know this bag of toilet paper has twenty rolls, and this one has five rolls." And there's a little print that says per sheet
0: unit cost, yeah,
1: unit cost, and per sheet this is. So even though the twenty roll looks better deal than the or the even though the five roll looks better than the twenty roll deal on a unit cost, the 20 roll is better than the five roll. I mean, you don't need calculus for that. Yeah. Um, agreed. agreed. So I don't know. Uh, but I, I don't think you can ever get away from writing, speaking, and uh, those kind of communication skills and analysis, mm-hmm. and, you know, how to do research, how to, how to find the truth uh, for yourself.
0: Love that. Um, what would you say is the biggest mistake that you've
1: made? Well, I quit Apple twice, and I turned Steve down once. So that's probably two, three hundred million right there. So. I was
0: going to say, did you? Yeah did did you get stock options on that that you missed out on? Or,
1: well, yeah. I mean, yeah. if I wouldn't be on this podcast if I had stayed at Apple. Well,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, well, hopefully, I can help you out a little.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell people to buy my book. That's uh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh that's funny. I, I think you said on your bio on your website it says uh, you've written fifteen books or you've written one book fifteen different ways. Fifteen not times,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I'm a transparent guy.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what we love about you. Um, Let's. <laughs> uh, I know you don't have a ton of time, so let me yeah. um, sort of wrap this up a little bit. Let me ask you, what are the, what are the? Th- actually, I can't remember. You might have actually been the one that taught me this. <laughs> Now that I think about it, but one of the best questions that I think of when I think of legacy and how to help somebody solidify what they want their legacy to be is in what ways do you want to be remembered? Not necessarily yeah. just after we, you know, that we die, yeah. but like in interaction with your product or your company. What are the three words that you would like people to use to describe Guy Kawasaki? I
1: don't even need three. I need okay.
0: two, okay. which
1: is em- empowered people. So, people. I want to empower people with my mm-hmm. writing, my speaking, my investing, my advising, whatever it takes. Um, <clears throat> and a secondary or maybe equal, not secondary is I want to re- be remembered for as being a great father. Mm-hmm. So, I want to be a father who empowered people. So, three words. Okay.
0: I love that. Yep. I love that. Well, um, given the time that you've shared with us today, I really appreciate it. I know you could Thank be you. out surfing right now. So. Uh, we'll let you run, but uh, Guy, right. thank you so much for taking the thank time. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And if you could, please uh, use a graphic, the cover or something of Wise Guy and link to it, and that'll be helpful for me. Absolutely. Because all of this wisdom is in that book.
0: Where, where can people go to find that? Uh, Amazon, of course, or oh, where? Oh, yeah, else?
1: Amazon, or you know, they can go to com and have a whole explanation of the book and all that, but yeah. Excellent. Because yep. we covered everything. Everything we covered is covered in the book.
0: Okay. Good Okay. Deal. I'll, I'll um, include the link. Okay, thank sure. you. Thank you so much, Take guys. Care. Take care.
1: Okay. Bye bye.
0: Bye bye.